Hello and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. Today is Monday, August 8th, and I hope you guys had a blessed weekend. I pray that you guys are safe out there. And in these days, it's very important for us to be wise in all that we say and do. And that's why it's so important for us to be led by the Spirit. Our spirit that's led by the spirit will not lead us to harm. It will not lead us to harm. The beginning of wisdom is fear of God. And it's important for us to trust in him and in his ways. You know, it's very hard to trust man. Because man is fallen. He is led by the flesh. And no matter how many good intentions or good things that he has done. A man that is not born of the spirit is led by the flesh. And at the end of the day, it's all about him. It's all about what can he gain from this. I think if we have that kind of understanding with man, it will give us a better understanding on how to approach this pandemic. You know, with this pandemic, it's all about who can control who in what way. If they can make you more fearful, then they will. If they want to make you less fearful, then they will also. You know, there's two types of fears. There's a fear of God, and there's a fear that comes from the world. The fear that comes from the world puts doubt in your mind to disconnect your faith from God. And there's a fear of God and the fear of God is that if I choose to disobey him then I'm going to expect God's judgment now God is not like a dictator he's far from that God is love and we should be able to see that throughout his word A natural man that looks in the word of God cannot see his love because the word of God is meant for spiritual people. The ones that have been born of the spirit to receive the spirit. And when we faithfully study the word of God daily, we can see how much God is love and how much God Loves us. I mean, if you think about the time when you got saved, you know, think about how long it took you to get saved. And that gives you an idea on how patient and merciful God is. And think about all the times that you did not get it right, you know, your walk was not right, and the Word of God corrected you. And think about how much time that took. And again, God is merciful and patient. I mean, go all the way nearly at the beginning of time. 
when God judged the earth with a flood. You know, God gave man 120 years to repent. And think about Exodus, you know, the Israelites. They were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And throughout that time, think about 400 years, think about how much time that God gave the Egyptians to repent, especially Pharaoh. You know, when we look at these plagues and God tells Moses, hey, listen, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And if he doesn't release you guys, then do this plague. And when God says if, that meant God gave Pharaoh a chance to let the Israelites go to obey him. And God is very merciful. He is very merciful and he's very patient. You know, when we're born of the Spirit, that means we are enlightened with truth. He leads us into safe pastures. You know, we have stop signs and traffic lights all around us. You know, and those things are there for our safety. Our government has put those things there so that they can keep us safe. And we know why, because in a certain area, there's a lot of cars. And if you decide that you are going to go run the red light or run the stop sign without stopping you have a chance to get seriously injured or possibly kill due to a car wreck so when we see the road signs you know we are having information that's useful to us you know when we see a yellow light that means we need to be cautious it means we see a red light, we need to stop. Or if we see a stop sign, we need to stop. So, you know, God has given us wisdom to be wise. You know, you know, if I decide to run through the lights, you know, I have a chance of getting into a serious car wreck, you know. And those that say, oh, I'm not afraid of dying, they're really in self-denial. They really are in self-denial. I mean, I'm sure the rich man in Lazarus might have not been afraid of dying. You know, he thought dying was nothing. And then he died. He probably did not expect that he was going to die. He thought with all of his wealth and status that he was going to live forever. He thought by his self-righteousness that he was justified to be with Abraham. But it was not. He died. And we see that he did not come back. We see that he did not even get his tongue cooled off you know and what I'm saying with this is that when you die you die and that's it now if you're born again if you're born the spirit that means you have passed from death to life 
because of the love of Jesus. And even with the love of Jesus, he expects us to be wise. If you're not wise, get wisdom. Don't be prideful and arrogant, you know. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christian pastors that are very arrogant. I mean, they think that because they have faith, they don't have to comply with the rules that keeps them safe in this pandemic. You know, they think that COVID-19 will not affect them. And there was a pastor in Richmond that thought that. He thought because he had faith that he was not going to die because of COVID-19. And a few days later, he got COVID-19 and he died. He was very foolish with his walk. And you can't say that God was not fair. In fact, he was fair. God gave him warning signs. And he gave him instruction through the government. Now, I'm not saying that the government is always going to be right about this COVID-19 thing. You know, they don't really know. And earlier on, I mentioned how man is corrupt. And government's the same. It's corrupt. You know, our medical field, it's corrupt. Our media is corrupt. Our businesses is corrupt. It is not the idea themselves, but it's who's carrying out those ideas, which is fleshly man. Inside fleshly man is nothing but evil. Don't be fooled by all the good that they do, because with all the good that they do, eventually it's all about them. They care about them and not about you. Now, when I say that, you know, most of these stuff is fleshy, fleshy like government, business, academics, medical field, and so on and so on. I'm not saying all the people involved in that field are fallen because we do have believers. We have believers in all aspects of life, even in government. We have Daniels there that are faithfully serving. We may not know who they are, but God knows who they are. And God placed them there for a reason. Now, even though I see that a lot of things are fallen, remember, God is a sovereign God. He is control of all things. And we see that God's in control of all things like in Exodus, you know. God prophesies to Abraham that his descendants will be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And he promised that he will give them favor and he will bring them out of there and into the land that he promised him. And throughout the Bible, we see that. And when the Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land and God through Moses told them, say, hey, listen, if you obey me, you have nothing to worry about. You have more than enough. But if you disobey me, then I will have you captured by your enemies and I will scatter you out. But 
I will also bring you back later. Well, in Daniel, we see Judah exile into Babylon. And we find that Daniel remained faithful to God all the way to the end of his life, even past 80 years old. He was faithful to God and he trusted him. And because of that, God used him. And Daniel was able to interpret visions and dreams of kings. He served under two different nations. And God allowed him to see the judgment. He allowed him to see that. You know, God is faithful, you know, and we see him being faithful to Daniel. And Daniel worked in government. So I know that we have Daniels that are working in government. I think our mentality today should be like Paul's, you know. We shouldn't repay evil for evil. We'll let God deal with them on his terms. What we need to do is we need to be faithful to him. We need to trust in him. And in Galatians chapter 5, it says, There is no law that prevents from carrying the good fruits. You know, love, patience, kindness, you know. We should live in harmony with those around us. And we should be good citizens towards our government. Remember, Paul says that, you know, our government, our presidents and our kings, they have swords. Well, in 21st century, they got guns, you know. I mean, if you want to break the law, you know, if you want to go tear down property, And you want to break the law. You want to be rebellious against government. Well, don't get mad. And don't cry when they throw you in the jail. Because if you decide to be rebellious towards them. Then they have every right to throw you into jail. And don't compare yourself to apostles. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because your act of rebellion is going against the word of God. Now, there may be a time when we either have the Antichrist or an Antichrist tells you you can't worship God, period. You can't worship God at all. If it comes down to that, then yes, we must rebel against the government. Not for sake of rebellion, but for the sake of obeying God. At the end of the day, we must obey God and trust in Him. And throughout the book of Exodus, we see that. We see Moses obeying God. And we see why. Because God does what He says He's going to do. Therefore, we can trust in him. At the end of the day, we should trust in God and God alone. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be foolish and ignore safety guidelines. You know, they are there for a reason. 
And you got to let the Holy Spirit guide you through this. Yes, he's going to keep you safe. And yes, he wants us to be wise. Because if we're foolish and we get sick, you know, this virus very easily passes around. We get others sick. That's not showing the love of Christ. That's not being wise. Now, on a side note, my opinion about with all the regulations that's going on, I'm not for government shutdown. I don't think that's the best way of handling this pandemic. I believe that it should be people's responsibility. You know, it should be up to them. You know, I think that is the best way. I don't think that having a government shutdown or state shutdown is the best way of handling this pandemic. You know, because still at the end of the day, people still need to go and make a living. And I think the best way of trying to figure this out is just, you know, as citizens and business owners that we should try to do the best that we can to try to be responsible. And being responsible is not always wearing a mask or wearing a mask. As Christians, I think, you know, if there's a certain store that we like and we respect, and if we could, you know, a store that wants us to wear a mask, you know, then I think we should. However, if you have some medical issue, hopefully the store is willing and understanding. And if not, you know, that's a great thing about the United States. You know, you have options. You have other places that you can go. And if businesses are too strict and, you know, then they're not going to have enough people and they don't have enough people, then that's going to affect their revenue and they need revenue to exist. So they either got to decide to continue their strictness or begin to loosen up. I mean, that's how the free market works. I know I'm saying a lot. I mean, that's my sign that I missed you guys. I know it's just been two days since I spoke to you. And i like to thank you for taking the time to click on play wherever you may be listening it. Now, you can listen to the Revelation Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if Anchor has a way for people to listen, which I obviously they should, you know, they have a place where we can make our podcast for free. And I'm sure they have places for people to listen to this or any podcast. Well... We've been going through the book of Exodus and we've been taking a look and seeing where Jesus is in Exodus. And we are up to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, there are two more plagues before the last one. And I want to look at one of those plagues and it is with the locusts. And to begin there, 
I want us to go to the future. I want us to go to the fifth trumpet. That is one of God's judgments on the world. And I will be reading from ESV tonight. And we will begin at Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And if you have your devices, then that should not take you very long. Or if you need to, you could just go ahead and hit pause and find your place. Now, I think it's very important that when I go through the Word of God, that you should see it for yourself so you could confirm it. Now, I do the best that I can to present the Word as accurately as possible. If I say something that's not correct or doesn't sound right, then feel free to leave a comment at my Facebook page. You know, just put down the episode that you've listened to and just say what you need to say. And I will look at it and I will go to the word myself. So either I have to correct it or I might not end up knowing or, you know, we may have a certain disagreement, but hopefully through the spirit we could come together. And that's the thing that we should be guided by we should be guided by the holy spirit and it's the holy spirit that will correct us and that's how we should be corrected all right in revelations chapter 9 verses 1 through 6 and the fifth angel blew his trumpet and i saw a star Fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. And from the shaft rose smoke. Like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened. With the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree. But only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. I just read the fifth trumpet because it reflects the plague of locusts in Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. From the fifth trumpet, we see that an angel blows the trumpet A star falls from heaven, and then an angel opens the bottomless pit to release the locusts. These locusts has a sting of scorpions that attacked men that did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. To get a visual of what will take place, 
I went to Wikipedia and I did a little brief research about the venom inside a scorpion sting. And this is what I found out. The purpose of a scorpion venom is when they are hunting prey, they will use their venom so they could paralyze its prey and also a defense mechanism. Now, this venom is composed of neurotoxins and enzyme inhibitors. Neurotoxins destroy the nervous system. Enzyme inhibitors will keep enzymes inactive. Our enzymes in our body help to regulate it by keeping order. Now, only 25 species of scorpions are deadly to humans, like the Boothidae. Now, I'm not sure if I said that right, but I'll spell it. It's B as in boy, U-T-H-I-D as in David, A-E. What they found out about their venom is that it causes painful nerve firings. And also... It causes the body to produce more sodium than potassium. This we know is what causes body cramp. Now, we call these Charlie horse. You know, sometimes at night, your muscles stretch and they overstretch. And you have like a sharp pain. And you have this in your calf muscle or in other parts of the area. Now, imagine getting stung by a locust that has scorpion venom and it's so painful you know possibly painful nerve firings and cramping all over the place i mean i can imagine a person just being compulsive as if they're almost like demon possessed and john says that People will be in pain for five months and they won't even die. Death will flee from them. You know, imagine that. You know, you're in all that pain. Now, I want to go from the fifth trumpet that's parallel to the Egyptian plague of the locusts. Two, the appearance on God's judgment on the world. And I want to start from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 39. And this is the words of Christ. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as we were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until a day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 36, where it talks about, but concerning that day and the hour, no one knows. This refers to the end times that is mentioned throughout the word. 
in Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Again, Jesus says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And in Mark chapter 13, in the final verse, verse 33, Jesus tells them, Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. So from what we are reading about the end times, is that no one knows when God's judgment will be executed on the world. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, when he was ascended into heaven, he told the Galileans, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. From that verse, we know that only God the Father knows the time of the end. If someone says they know exactly when the end will come, then they are telling lies. And if someone gives you a specific date on when the rapture will take place, when the tribulation will come, or when Christ will come back, then you should stop listening to them. You should not even waste your time. You know, because the Bible clearly states that no one knows except the Father. And I don't care how much of an expert they are. I don't care if they got to the point where they could look at Scripture, they could break it down and find secret codes. Anytime pastors say, hey, listen, I say the Word of God, I know some secret codes, you should stop listening to them, you know. And... Just flee. Just get away from them. You know. I mean the closest that we could come about knowing the end time comes from Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And Jesus says about when the end will come and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. When the gospel is reached to all the people that is going to be reached towards, then the end will come. We have no we have no way of knowing when the last person will hear the gospel. The world's too big, the gospel's too active, and our satellites cannot focus on everybody throughout the world at the same time, you know. I mean, they could focus on activity that they want to focus on, such as, you know, like terrorist organizations ready to do something, you know. But I don't think our governments or the world governments really cares that much yet about who's preaching the gospel, you know. Now, don't get me wrong, there are certain countries like North Korea and communist countries that will keep an eye on that, but not everyone throughout the whole world will keep an eye on in other places on where the gospel is being preached. So, <coughs> so forget about it. The Father knows. And he's, yeah, you're not going to find out. You know, just don't try to guess, you know. Just be ready, you know. That's why Christ says be ready. And you're going to see why in a little later on, you know. The end will come as God's floods came and 
Genesis, you know, about that. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, that's another reason why no one's going to know. Because a thief does not let people know ahead of time. Uh, not going to call them and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to come and break your house around this time. That would be nonsense. That would be silly. You know, thieves come unexpected. And so is God's judgment. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heaven bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And what Peter's referring to the day of the Lord is he's referring to the return of Christ. And when Christ returns and brings his children out of the tribulation... And then the wrath of God is going to come. That's biblical. You can look it up in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 23, and in Mark chapter 13. It's biblical. It's what Christ says. And what Christ says, he says. And that's it. There's no debate about it. And if you put the whole entire word together, New Testament, Old Testament, it's going to fit with what Christ says. Remember, God does not deal with confusion. He's not confusing at all. You know, Jesus told us that, hey, listen, they call me Bezabel, you know. Now, just think how they're going to persecute you. What, you think that because you follow me that you're not going to be persecuted? Huh. You know, Christ says, you know, tribulation will come. Then I will come and I will pull my children out of the tribulation. I heard some premillennial guys say that, you know, if you know, if you're a Christian and if you're stuck in the tribulation, that means that you're not safe. Wrong. And, and then he goes on, you're going to get the mark of the beast. No. If you're born again and you know not to get the mark of the beast, you will not get the mark of the beast, even if it means that the Antichrist will kill you if you don't, you know. And so, you know, look, trust me, the second coming of Christ, he's going to appear in the clouds. The dead that already died will rise first. Then we will come up. And then the wrath of God is going to come, you know, the trumpets and the vials. That will be poured out on the earth earth and then armageddon's going to happen and then you know satan's going to be locked up for a thousand years and then at the end of the thousand years he's going to be let out again and then he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire and then the great white throne judgment will happen you know the people that have their names written in the book of life you know and then you have the book that people have done and they will be judged according to their works and then those people will be thrown into the lake of fire for their second death. I just gave you basically the order of how it's going to end. And it's not what I said. It's in the Bible. I mean, God's church, the early church, it was persecuted. The church grew out of persecution. It thrived in persecution. And then when the persecution started ceasing away... That's where church got comfortable. That's where the devil started planting its false seeds. And that's why we have a lot of divisions in churches because of man's seeds that have been planted in the church of Christ. And Christ warns us that false prophets will come. 
Paul warned us the false prophets they will come. They will be wolves described as sheep. They will put their yeast into try to put the yeast into his doctrine. That was what the parables of the wheat and tares is about. At night the enemy came in and planted his tares, you know. But Christ on God's judgment, he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep are the people that have their names written in the book of life. And the goats are the ones that will be judged according to their works. Now, no one knows the hour or the time. And so, go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And remember, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. And Paul tells for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So Paul and Peter are both saying what Christ has been saying, that you don't know when my father's going to end the world. You don't know when I'm going to come back. So you better be ready. Just be ready. God's judgment on the world will come unexpected like a thief in the night. God in Exodus is the same God of today. In Malachi, and that's what I want to talk about now. You know, I want to roll into God in Exodus is the same God of today. You know, people look at the Bible and say, oh, there's an Old Testament God, there's a New Testament God. No, no, no. God is the same. And we see that Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Says, For the Lord, I do not change. He does not change. And there's like, you know, you have to look at the Bible as one. You're going to probably hear me say this over and over again. Probably not on this podcast. Maybe I will. Who knows? The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is all about Christ. You know, some people put the Old Testament as a law, and some people put the New Testament as grace. That's nonsense. Christ says, I did not come to abolish a law. I came to fulfill the law. And if you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, there was a teacher of the law. And he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, you know, at, you know, Ask them, like, well, what is the law? Well, let me pull it up real quickly. You know, I want to get this one right. You know, it's at the top of my head, and I'm on a roll. And, you know, Jesus and, let's see, the persistent woman. Let's see, I think it can find, I don't know where it's at. 16, Luke 16, I believe. No, 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 Luke 12. I'm looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. see parable of the good samaritan it's in luke 12 luke 12 let's see do not be must be ready let's see see. You know, I can find it. I can find it. Let's see. 
Bear with me real quick. I am pulling up real quickly. Let's see. I mean, to have a lot of dead space in here, and I do apologize it, but I believe it's that and port. Yes, okay. Luke chapter ten, of course. Luke chapter ten. The lawyer. A lawyer is not. Uh, yeah, it's a lawyer. He asked teacher, "What should I do to inherit eternal life?" He said, "He." Jesus asked him the question, "What is written in the law, and how do you read it?" And the lawyer repeated him and told him what is in the law. And this is what Jesus said. You have answered correctly. And that goes to, you know, Jesus. You know, he did, come, he did not come to abolish law, but he came to fulfill the law. And God's grace was not just in the New Testament. It was throughout time, you know. In the beginning, God created everything. He gave everything life. And he gave humans a self-conscience. <laughs> he allowed us to be dominions over the earth. And God giving us life and allowing us to be dominions over the earth. I mean, if that's not grace, then I don't know what is. And, you know, we chose death and evil over righteousness over life. And God knew that we were going to do that. He did not catch him off guard. And yet in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, he promised us that he was going to send us a savior. That he was going to save mankind. That's a great example of grace in the Old Testament. That was fulfilled in the New Testament. That's fulfilled today because Jesus, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He went into the holies of the holiest place. He became that perfect sacrifice where his blood, he died just once, you know. You know, before that, there's many animal sacrifices over and over and over again. And yet, those sacrifices were not enough. Yet, Christ, he died just one time. His death was enough for all of us. So where I'm getting at is that law and grace, they go hand in hand. They go throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Without the law, I would not know Christ because the law points to Christ. Like, hey, listen, you're never going to be good enough. You know, you're falling. You're never going to be good enough. You need Christ. You need him. He's the laws pointing to him. And I go to Christ. Christ says, you know, believe in me. You'll be born again. And in John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and in my words, whatever you desire, it will be done. If you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. And that's why. We must be full of the Holy Spirit. 
we must be led by the Spirit. So by its power and authority, we can bear good fruit. Yet we have to allow it to bear good fruit. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. You know? And so, you know, you know earlier on I read from Malachi chapter 3 verses 6. And I want to see that the God in Exodus is the same God of today. In verse 6 it says, For the Lord, I the Lord does not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Glory, hallelujah. I mean, thank God that he does not change. Because what it means when it says, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. That means if God did change, then they would die. If they die, then everyone else dies. It's that simple. You know, verse 6, God does not change. He is the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If God did change, then no one could be saved. O children of Jacob, are you not consumed? And in verse 7, where it says, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? What God wants, God wants all to repent, which is why he gave time to the people before the flood, you know, God gave people 120 years to repent. And we see God give time to Pharaoh and Egypt before he began his plagues. He gave Pharaoh a chance to repent and obey him. And he has given the whole world time. You know, we know from what Jesus says that the end will not happen until this gospel is preached throughout the whole entire world. And God has not come back yet. And the Antichrist has not established his one world government to persecute Christians. I mean, he's given us time. You know, he's given us time to repent and obey him. With God's revelation, why has man not repent? And I think we're getting close into the plague of locusts. And before getting to that, I want to answer that question. You know, with God's revelation, why has man not repent? And we see from Romans chapter 2 verse 15. You know, God has written his law on our hearts. That's called conscience. You know, that's a general revelation of him. Because of him, we already know what is right and wrong. No one did not have to tell you that stealing and lying is wrong. When you did these things, or about to do these things, there was something in you that told you that you should not do this. And it's universal that lying and stealing are against the law. And that comes from the conscience that God has given us. 
Now, still, with God's revelation, why has man not repented? Well, he gave them time, and in the beginning, man chose sin over righteousness. Man chose death over life. So what he did was, he gave them over to their evil hearts as he gave Pharaoh over to his evil heart. In Mark chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus points out what's inside a man's heart. He says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. The evil in their hearts are driven by their pride. It says, I am my own God. And no one tells me what I can or cannot do. They are scoffers as Pharaoh was one. You know, you see one of the things that Jesus mentions in the heart, and that is pride. In his time, we see the pride of the Pharisees. A great example of that is the prayer of the Pharisee. In the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And when you read this from Luke chapter 18 verses 11 and 12. I want you to notice on how many times the word I is used and how it is used. The Pharisee standing by himself pray thus. God I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now, you notice that I emphasize I a lot because I want us to see how many times throughout the Pharisees' prayer they said, I. You know, at the beginning of it, he says, God, I thank you. And if you read through his prayer, you can see that it's not about him, God, but it's about him, the Pharisee. You know, I like the word pride. I don't like it. You know, we should not like pride at all. Yet, I find it interesting that the word I is in the middle of it, you know. It reminds me what that word is about. And it is about my ego. And ego should stand for edge God out. That's what pride does. We see the Pharisee do that with its prayer. It was all about him. Another person that came across Jesus that had pride 
was a rich young ruler. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, the young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? He tells Jesus, I have kept them, but... And them, he refers to, is the law. You know, you know, he tells Jesus that he has kept the law since he was young. But Jesus, being God, knew that there was one thing that kept him from his kingdom. And Jesus tells him, hey, listen, give everything that you have. Sell it and give to the poor. Come with me and you'll have eternal life. And you'll have treasures in heaven. And the rich young ruler had an opportunity to follow Jesus and be fulfilled. But you know what kept him from it? It was his pride. His pride kept him from it. In James chapter 4 verse 10, James writes, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now, I know that I spent most of this time talking about, you know, what's keeping men from repenting to God with God's revelation to them. And I've been pointing out how God is the same. He doesn't change. I also talked about that how God's judgment is unexpected, that no one knows when it's going to come. So we should be ready. And then the very first thing I talked about was the plague of the locusts. You know, that judgment has not happened. And when it comes, it's going to come like a thief in the night where people are not going to expect it. And the scorpions that I mentioned, I mean, the locusts, the locusts that I mentioned will have scorpion sting that will cause so many people will cause so much pain to people in the five months that they will not even die. They'll want to die, but they could not die because of all the pain. And I said on how the fifth trumpet parallels the plague of locusts and Exodus. And now we are going into that. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. In verse 5, Lord said unto Moses, you know, and I want to talk about Moses. You know, Moses is a great person to look at when you talk about humility and pride. When Moses was, when God allowed Moses to be a shepherd, he humbled him. Before Moses left Egypt, He relied on himself. He relied on his pride. And he ended up murdering an Egyptian. When when Moses returned, he relied on God to lead him. And before the plague of the locusts, Moses tells, Go tell Pharaoh... To let my people go. And if he does not. And that's what you notice about on how all the plagues began. Or most of them. Is that God gives Moses instructions. 
and Moses carry out the instructions. And before that, God tells Moses that Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. And the way that God interacts with Pharaoh, we can see that he's given him time to repent. And he continues to show. And I kind of got disconnected. I'm not sure where I left off. And I want to read Pharaoh's time to repent. Pharaoh's time repent. And we see that Exodus chapter 10, verse 3. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before God? Let his people go that they may serve him. So, verse 3, we see Moses and Aaron ask Pharaoh, how long is he going to continue to disobey God? We see God warns Pharaoh, if he does not obey him by releasing his people, then he will. He says, for if you refuse to let my people go, and behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land, and they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen. From the day they come on earth to this day, then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And verse 7. God even warns him through his servants. You know, his parents told him, his, his servants told him, they said, How long shall Moses be a snare to us? Let Moses go, that the Israelites may serve their Lord God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? I mean, think about that. All the way up to the locusts. The locusts has destroyed the entire produce of Egypt. Egypt. They destroy out in their fields and out in their homes. They've God's taken away everything from Pharaoh. And throughout this interaction between God and Pharaoh is that God does not compromise because it will go against his character. We see that. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said. We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters, and with our flocks and herds. For we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he, Pharaoh, he said to them, The Lord be with you, if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look. You have some evil purpose in mind. No. Go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. From that, Pharaoh thinks he can compromise with God with his sin. A lot of Christians think the same way. But this thought goes against the word. In James chapter 2, verses 9-11 through 11 says, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. 
are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, he has become guilty of all of it. For he said, do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Being partial to others for our gain is sin. Breaking one law equals breaking the entire law. Like I said earlier on, the law points us to Christ because no one's good enough to keep the whole entire law except for Jesus. Pharaoh, you know, was willing to let the adults go, but not the children. God willing to also include the children shows his love is not partial. Pharaoh's disobedience leads to God's judgment. In verses 12 through 15, we see that the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Locusts came up all over the land of Egypt and sell in the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land, so the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. So, the locusts were sent by God. He destroyed all the produce that the hell did not destroy. Pharaoh's pride leads to fake repentance. In verses 16 through 20, we see the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. It's Pharaoh's pride that destroyed him and Egypt. God gave him chance after chance to repent. Now, the fifth trumpet has not happened yet. That means God's wrath has not poured out the earth. God has given us time to repent and to be humble. So those on his Judgment will be without excuse. Those that believe in him through his son Jesus will have their names written in the book of life. Those who did not believe and sinned with pride like Pharaoh will be the goats. And their works are written in the book of works. 
they will experience the second death, which is in the lake of fire forever and ever. You see, God in Exodus is the same God today. His commandments and grace go throughout time. And the only way it could be justified is through His Son, Jesus. Which is the only way we can receive His grace. Now, in the next episode, part 12, Jesus in Exodus, we will look at the plague of darkness. I look forward to the next time that I speak with you, which will be Tuesday, tomorrow. Have a good day and God bless you.